Ah, uh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Jack Farmer, and I have my co-host here with me, Sex Machine, I mean, Andy Rossi. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Andy, as always. We got, a good, we got a good show today. I'm excited to talk about this movie. Absolutely, yeah. But before we do, of course, we want to bring on our special guest. He is one of the many stars of the hit runaway movie, Dead Body. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Tim Cannon. Tim, how are you today? Hello, hello. I'm doing great. I'm, I'm excited to talk about this movie. Um, I rewatched it yesterday, so it's fresh in the mind. And uh, I'm excited to, to hang out with, with my friends and have a cup of coffee and, and have some laughs. Yeah, Tim, well, you've come to the right place. You are a, I've been told, you are Instagram and most importantly, TikTok famous. Now, I feel like an old man anytime I post on TikTok. I feel like I'm the guy that signs my name at the end of every Facebook message whenever I post something on TikTok. Uh, are you famous? I, I am indeed not. <laughs> Modest. I guess you're asking. <laughs> no. Uh, I, no, I started posting on TikTok when, when COVID happened back in 2020 and was hitting it pretty hard with the daily posts and everything. Um, but I, I I have not been consistent lately. It's uh you know it's fun, but what I found, I don't want TikTok to come at me. But it's oh. uh it's not like very easy to uh, move people over to platforms that like could actually be monetizable, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And it's a lot of time to spend on something that doesn't. Uh, I mean, if it's fun. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, but I haven't, yeah, I haven't done a whole lot lately. And uh, yeah, but uh, it's anyway. so funny though. You should try MySpace. I hear that's pretty good. I am trying, I'm thinking about getting back into MySpace. I actually, uh, I guess this is a good time to plug my um, backup pitching career yeah. that I'm like really going after. Yeah. yeah. You can, you can tell you're serious when you say backup pitching. Yeah, anyone who's on the audio version, you can't tell, but Tim Cannon, you look at him and you instantly can tell he is a pitcher in the major leagues. <laughs> yeah, from like yeah, not, from about the time this movie actually came out in ninety six. Yeah, yeah. From ninety six. Uh, Randy Johnson, uh I you're his backup, I think. <laughs> right, right, right. You're, you're missing the mustache though. But uh oh. let's Let's talk about this show. Well, let's talk about our show here. What we're what we're here for. It's the Evolution of Movie Show. And we call it the Evolution of Movie Show because we watch a movie and then we chat about it going scene by scene. But we call it Evolution of Movies because we always watch a movie that came out one year after the last movie. So we started in 1980, 1981, 1982. Now we're all the way up to 1996, a time when movie theaters were filled with hits like Train Spotting. Independence Day, and of course, the Mark Wahlberg classic, Fear. We aren't talking about any of those. We're talking about From Dusk Till Dawn, a movie IMDb describes as two criminals and their hostages unknowingly seek temporary refuge in a truck stop populated by vampires (laughs) with chaotic results. One, I love that you have to specify that there's chaotic results and there's vampires. <laughs> They're really nice vampires, <laughs> actually. <laughs> but uh, this was a movie, when I first saw it, I literally had no idea what it was when I started watching it. I had, ne- I had never seen previews. I-, I just turned it on started watching it. No idea. To be honest, my family, we, we were stealing some cable, and it just happened to be on pay-per-view. So I was like, whatever, I'll just watch this movie. 
And boy, howdy, was I surprised about halfway <laughs> through this movie when things took a shift. Uh, we're going to get into, what, Tim, what you thought when you first saw the movie, but I always like to play a game at the beginning. Andy, I want you to guess the Rotten Tomatoes score, and then, yeah. Tim, you're going to guess whether or not you think the actual score is lower or higher than Andy's guess. So, Andy, what do you think Rotten Tomatoes thinks of From Dusk Till Dawn? I mean, considering it's going against Mark Wahlberg's fear in that same year, it's got to be <laughs> tough. Uh, I I thought the movie was great when it first came out, especially. Um, I might be going too high, but I'm going to go 79. 79. I think that puts it in the what we had, was that like a, a Goonies kind of area? I think I so. I feel like I guess 79 often, like 76 or something. It's it's a good median score to pick. <laughs> uh, but Tim, you've got the hard part. You've got to decide, do you think that score is higher or lower than the actual Rotten Tomatoes score? I, I'm going to say, personally, I think the first half until the vampires come in, it's higher than that. And then it's much lower than that once the vampires <laughs> come in. So I, I'm going to say, I think that it gets lower than 79. Lower than 79. Rotten Tomatoes has it officially listed at 61%, what? making oh, it really one of the lower rated movies we've watched. 61. Uh, this. Yeah. Did they, not, did they not see Clooney? Like <laughs> dream, Dreamboat. I mean, you think you would think George Clooney would bump it up to a, in the 70s 90s on Clo his own. 90s but... Clooney. I mean, what else? What else but, do you need? But Tim. Had you seen Dusk Till Dawn before, and what were your thoughts going into it this time around to watch it for the for the show? I had seen it before, probably a few times, definitely more than once. Um, I because I I love Tarantino. I love uh, it's it's Rodriguez, right, Robert? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, the Sin City stuff like that that uh, turned me on to him. So I was like, oh, this is this can't miss, right? And then it's such a it's such a Tarantino movie. All the dialogue's so good, mm -hmm. and and then it, and then the vampires come. <laughs> and it feels like it's a four hour movie, <laughs> an hour and a half. To your point, Tim, this felt and Andy, I know you're a huge Quentin Tarantino fan. This felt like a Quentin Tarantino movie with a Robert Rodriguez filter over it. <laughs> right, right. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Uh, so Andy, you watching it now, I don't know, again, maybe it was just me, but like literally no idea what was going to happen in this movie when I watched it and me and my buddy were watching it and we were just like this whole movie, like, this is so cool. Wait, what? Huh? <laughs> like the whole movie yeah. was like trying to, I, it was, it was a very special experience for me growing up. It's one of my yeah. favorite movie watching experiences because of that. But yeah. how about you? Had you seen it before, Andy? What were your thoughts? Yeah, I've seen it a lot. Uh, I'm jealous that you had that experience. I definitely knew that uh, that vampires were coming. <laughs> but it, I think it's a great movie. I was telling my wife yesterday, I'm like, there's not a lot of movies that do that where you're like, you're like, oh, this is about these two brothers on the run. And, you know, pretty cool, like an hour yeah. in. And then it's just like, snap and it's it's now it's a vampire movie like i can't think of another movie off the top of my head where it literally just changed genres like right not not even uh like 20 minutes in i mean it's it's like an hour it's, in. i think it's the, over halfway through like yeah. i almost feel like it's close to the final act really yeah. very close to the end where it changes yeah. everything over it almost seems like they were like man i don't know how to end this <laughs> vampires <laughs> okay and then more vampires <laughs> I, yeah. I, I'll be honest. I love this movie. 
I loved it when I was a kid. I loved watching it this time around. I I feel like this movie deserves a little more credit and love. I, I was like, this is actually a really fun movie going experience. I mean, Especially I get why the writing. Yeah, like the I, writing is amazing. I, yeah. I mean, it's clearly not Shawshank Redemption or anything like that. <laughs> but like as a fun, like watching a movie, like popcorn movie, this is incredible. Yeah. Uh, and the dialogue was really good. I know I'm I'm sitting with some Quentin Tarantino fans here, so I got to be careful what I say. I like Quentin Tarantino. I think his dialogue has always been really good. His characters have always been great. Feel like his more recent movies, he starts to smell himself a little too much, though. Maybe gets a little <laughs> little too wordy sometimes with his more recent movies. Where this one felt like it was a bit more grounded and more realistic, but they were still talking so cool throughout the yeah. whole thing. Uh, Tim, yeah. Tim, you're you're a Quentin Tarantino guy. Am I off base saying that? Did does does Quentin Tarantino today get a little too too into the weeds, a little too wordy with his talking, or is uh? I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? Jack's on being a fuddy duddy. I'm a fuddy duddy. I'm a curmudgeon. <laughs> I mean, as an, like, an aspiring MLB pitch, pitcher with a big <laughs> ego, I get how like an ego like in your career could could really uh, <laughs> you focus on the things you're good at and, and probably do a little too much. But I, I could definitely see that. I, I do think uh, I do think the dialogue in this movie was specifically was so, so good and refreshing to see here. Um mm. uh, just because, man, it, it, there's so much. I was thinking about why I like it so much, and it's just there's so much truth in these characters would talk this way. You mm -hmm. couldn't write this movie now, you know. It's yeah. It, you you just couldn't. I'm not going to say the the, the reasons why, <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but but it's refreshing. It's refreshing in a way to be like, oh, these are criminals who are terrible people. They would talk like this. They wouldn't be, you know pulling punches in private when they have, you know, a woman kidnapped. So uh, I, I I could see how Tarantino's recent movies could uh, turn some people off a little bit with, with the dialogue, but uh, I, I thought, like the movies. I should say, I like his new movies. I'm just, I, maybe, I maybe it says they're longer. I just, I feel like to your point his this movie feels natural the way they're talking where sometimes I feel like his new movies, people talk so cool. I'm like, people, <laughs> People don't talk. No one's that cool. <laughs> yes, to I totally. Yeah. And that gets away from the truth. Yeah. So that's that, and that's just my opinion. I mean, again, I like them. Like, I'm sorry, this is a cool movie, but <laughs> right. I, I feel like I believe the way Seth Gecko talks, where sometimes I look at some of his new movies, like, no one's that cool, except right. for Tarantino when he talks. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but let's let's get into the movie. Let's start talking about it. Before we do, I always like to take a second to say thank you to everyone who's watching this show, whether it be on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Please be sure to like, comment, share, subscribe. Uh, Five-star review. Leave a little note in there as well. That's always appreciated. Yeah. Let's dive into this movie. I'm excited to talk about it. We start off, and an old cop pulls up to a secluded liquor store and chats it up with the cashier. Eventually, they talk about a couple of bank robbers that could be headed right through the area. The cop goes to use the bathroom, and as he does, the bank robbers in question emerge from the shadows, and they say if the cashier doesn't get rid of the cop, things will go bad, but until then, be cool. Richie Gecko thinks the cashier is giving the, quote, pig signals, which the cashier denies. So Richie kills the cop. And then in a very cool way, the brothers light the cashier on fire, but not before Richie gets a whole shot in his hand. Keep a low profile. They say, as they walk to the car, Tim, 
I thought this was such a cool way to start the movie. Talk about a hooked. I want to know more about these guys, but I want you to tell me about the characters that we're being given and this world that we're going to inhabit for the next couple hours. Yeah, I just I just thought that opening scene was just so so captivating and so fun to watch. I mean, even before they before they even introduce characters, I just I want to watch that, you know, pulling up on that lonely road and this lonely uh easy stop kind of thing and then and that's where the dialogue like really just comes at you right away. And it, it kind of reminded me, uh, this is probably already getting off topic, but uh, how much Perfect. this other movies, the recent movies and TV shows um, remind me of that, like that, that hell or high water movie. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Was the two, the two brothers are in the, you know, West Texas and they're robbing banks. And it's like, you start thinking like, I wonder if these, if it wasn't for movies, you know, like this, would there be like a breaking bad? Cause then you got the, like the RV reminds me of that anyway. Um, yeah. Getting off topic, but yeah, the, it's just so, it's so watchable and uh, he did, they do such a good job at, at, uh, at making it fun. Yeah. And, and something that I'm going to probably bring up multiple times and Andy, I'll kind of throw this way to you is, and something I think maybe, I don't know who if I credit Robert Rodriguez or Quentin Tarantino with this, but the characters are so easily well-defined. Like I feel like that cop, really only had a few lines was only there for a minute, but I feel like I know so much about that cop. Mm-hmm. Like I bet I could, yeah. I could predict so much about who he is and what he's like and how he lives his life. And same with the cashier. I feel like I get who that person is completely as a character, even though all we saw was these little moments in this scene. Uh, and Andy, I want to talk to you about just that the way they're able to make characters that just stand oh. out without being over the top. I love it so much. It's, I love the beginning of this this uh, movie. And yeah, like you said, like it's the cop talking to the cashier and all he is is ask, telling him about eating breakfast burritos out of a microwave and what's mm-hmm. been going on with his life. But it's so interesting. Like it's just I love the dialogue so much and not knowing that the that the boys are there, you know, hidden in the in the background there was is very cool for them to like come out. Um, so it's just so much so much riding on this moment, like this wondering what's going to happen is, you know, is somebody going to get shot is whatever is whatever going to happen. So it's like, I, I don't know. I love, I love the feeling of it in the beginning and how cool is George Clooney again? Yes. He kicks the shelf. The toilet paper falls in his hand perfectly. This throws some lighter fluid on it or whatever he does, tosses it. He's like, shoot the bottles, Richie. I'm like, oh, man, he's got the tattoo up his neck. I'm like, I'm like, it doesn't get any any cooler than this guy. I was watching this, and I realized I when I when I was watching this, I forgot that this was before George Clooney was Mr. Cool. I mean, I think he was on ER, yeah. but he wasn't a movie cool like bad guy cool dude at this point. You're right. The tattoo, by the way, one of the secret uh, co-stars of this movie, I think, because you just see it peeking up over yeah. the neck, over the shirt. Yeah, uh, you don't get and- the full reveal till the end either. And the everything you just said, I completely echo. Like, and the way they they light the guy on fire, you said was so cool. And the, but he gets up and keeps shooting. And yeah. uh, there's a little moment in the car where right afterwards, where Richie like spits the alcohol onto his hand. Yeah, to, I guess make it. It's uh, all clean. awesome. Like he pop, like Clooney pops those pills. Like who who yeah. opens a pill bottle like that? Yeah. And and Tim to 
I want to pass it back to you. What I think makes these guys so cool is when I'm watching this, no matter how bad they are, I mean, they just lit a guy on fire and killed a police officer. There's that dark inner party that's like, I want to be one of the Gecko brothers. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to be dressed in all black, looking cool, driving down the hi highway and robbing liquor stores and doing all this stuff. There, I, I want to be a Gecko brother. Yeah. Jack oh, Gecko. Yeah, yeah Jack Gecko. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, how they can make – I didn't find uh, Tarantino's character to be – I mean – Well, we'll get into that. In yeah, you don't want to – But definitely Clooney's character. And, and going back one uh, – just back to the dialogue at the beginning with the with the cop, just the subtle uh, – I don't know if you call, like call it irony or hypocrisy or just, just the humor there where he's he's talking about – how unhealthy the the burritos are and how that'll kill you faster than a bullet. And then just the quick next line, let me get a bottle of Jack. I'm going to get tanked tonight. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He has some little line, things like that. He has like some line too. It says he can't tell a rat shit from Rice Krispies. I don't know. <laughs> that was such a weird line. Uh, and uh, I like how he was like, yeah, if those guys come through here, they, they'll get what's coming to them. Yeah. And the irony of them, now we know, literally right behind him. And really the scene, I thought, too, was it, it helps to establish that, one, in this movie, anything can happen. You're never safe. you Because you think at the beginning, oh, it's just a, it's a cop. There's a cop here. We're safe. Mm -hmm. And it's just two guys talking in a bar or, or in a, a liquor store. But then when they pop out and say, oh, whoa, you're not safe. You thought you were, but you're not safe. But also how these guys do not care about the the pandemonium they leave behind them as they blow up the liquor store and they're just walking out coolly like, yeah, keep Richie. a low profile. Right. And, and you learn that Richie's got a quick fuse and maybe he's not all there because no way that guy said help us. No. <laughs> like, right, right. Uh, and before the last thing before we get to the, the motels and, and talk about what happens there is, I don't know why though. It's still funny to me the way they reveal that there's a hostage in the trunk. Like that, the way the camera looks was just so an interesting funny. way so of doing great. that. But yeah, that's in a lot of Tarantino movies. They show like the trunk and you know, like the little circle next to it. Yeah. So uh, they leave and uh, we get to the motel and at the motel, they tell the hostage to plant herself and Seth explains they're on their way to El Rey at the cost of 30%. Seth then leaves and Richie wants the hostage to hop on the bed and watch TV with him. Meanwhile, at a diner, a preacher is taking his kids on a trip in an RV, but he wants to sleep in a real honest to goodness bed. Apparently, the preacher is losing his faith mostly because he lost his wife. Back at the hotel, Richie has raped and killed the hostage and Seth isn't happy about it. Afterwards, Seth runs into the RV family in the parking lot of the motel and devises a plan. Seth and Richie go into the preacher's room swinging and after some offensive language, steal the motorhome and kidnap the family. This is where the movie really sort of kicks off and the stories really take place. Um, I want to first talk and, and Tim, will, will, I'll, I'll send this to you. What is El Rey? Now, I've always assumed it is like a safe haven for criminals and you got to give them money to get there. But once you're there, you're kind of safe from being brought in by the police but they never explain it what was your take on what exactly el rey is yeah you know, it kind of reminded me of the whole like pulp fiction what's in the briefcase kind of thing where you're not yeah. really supposed to know but you're just your mind takes you to a paradise of, of your own choosing 
which I thought was a really cool, mm-hmm. a really cool way to do it. Um, Cause you could say, okay, like whatever, you know, Caribbean Island or whatever paradise that you know about. And you could like, you can't Google it. You can't like, Oh, I like, so it really just, it becomes like you're involved in the creative process, which is, which is really cool. Yeah, it was. Uh, I I I love that you connected to the briefcase because you're right because yeah. they they do never say it, but now that is kind of a Quentin Tarantino through line where he he makes you do Quentin Tarantino. Why am I doing all the work? You're the writer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this was. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about. Obviously, this is the scene where we realize Richie's not one of the cool ones you want to be like and hang out. But. <laughs> but this was a terrible scene, but I think what was kind of cool looking back on it this time around and kind of analyzing it is at, because of that scene as a kid, I was just like, Oh, he's just a creepy evil, bad guy. But as yeah. I realized watching it this time, it does now throughout the rest of the movie, anything with Richie in it now has extra tension. Cause you know, oh, yeah. he, he's off base and he's weird. Uh, but also in comparison Seth Gecko is a horrible person, but in comparison to Richie, he yeah. just seems like a cool, awesome guy. And you realize <laughs> if you didn't have that, then you would just think Seth is a jerk or maybe Seth isn't that dangerous. But this scene is as bad as it is, does kind of help the movie in a lot of ways. Yeah. And he, cause Seth isn't, isn't, uh, I mean, he's not like Richie in that, yeah. you know, way. Um, but he just tells the lady like it is, you know, I like how he says he goes, plant yourself over there. Plants don't talk. Yeah, uh, that, that was funny. And he lays down the rules for her. And you kind of <laughs> think you're like, all right, I think if if everything goes OK, I think she's going to make it. And then when uh, Richie's like, come sit on the bed with me, then it's like, oh, no, oh, no, <laughs> just stay over there. Just stay. I wish you would have just stayed over there. Like, I'm yeah. good. I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> I'm supposed to plant myself. Uh, yeah. I like I like the line too in that moment when he says, "I've got six little friends and they all run faster than you." Yeah, I thought that was just one of those such a cool dialogue. Those moment. Great lines. I I do want to say this is the first time I've noticed this on on this movie. I every time I've watched this, I just accept everything because it's so mm-hmm. insane. But I just thought Jacob uh, Harvey Keitel's character, like he's like, I really need a bed, and I'm like you got one on the RV and they're like, no, I need a comfy bed. But then he stays at like the worst hotel. <laughs> I was like, if he really wants a comfy bed, like dude, go find a Ritz Carlton or something uh, nice. I, I was thinking too. I mean, it was his idea to bring these kids on the RV and now he's the one that wants the bed. Yeah. I mean, toughen up fella. Like yeah, it I mean, odd. if yeah. it was my dad, I think out of purely out of being a, difficult he would say i'm not sleeping in a regular bed i said we're getting it on the rv yeah. he'd probably walk funny the rest of his life but he would be like i i'm sleeping on the hard rv mattress uh, but tim I, taking this again the characters that are developed so quickly and so easily and i want to give a shout out to harvey Keitel. um if you guys don't know this he's a great actor but I think, uh, <laughs> he's been in some things he's been in a few things but watching it this time i was thinking he just went from being the coolest, most <laughs> badass guy, the wolf in yeah. Pulp Fiction, to being a preacher driving around with his kids, and yeah. both characters completely believable, complete like totally opposite ends of the spectrum, but very well done. Tim, I want to give Harvey Keitel his flowers. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> and Juliet so, Lewis, too. Someone should. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
Well, Juliet Lewis went from like natural born killers to like this one where she's just like, what? I've never had alcohol. <laughs> do did I miss something, or do we know where they're going? Like, is it just like a family trip? I I don't know. I think because she she implied that he left his job and he's never coming back. Right. And and so I don't know if yeah I don't know if they were like okay that means we're going to some other place or what? That's a good question. Maybe just another one of those things where Quentin Tarantino expects me to do all the work and figure it out. Yeah, all right. Well, what thinking, if, yeah. What just, if they're going to El Rey also? I know, right? And then what if El Rey is like a like a heaven? I don't know. It's wherever you want to make it. And then there's like a metaphor of like going through hell, which is the the titty twister to get <laughs> to heaven. And I don't know. An easier negotiation. Like, wait, where are you going, El Rey? Oh, we're we're going there. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Can you give me some gas oh, money? Yeah. We're set. This is yeah, great. We're good. I got this <laughs> RV. It seems uh, like Harvey Keitel's character. Sorry, uh, uh, wait, yeah. Oh, it just like he's he's like nearing the end. He's kind of depressed. He's like, I want one more night in a bed. Like that's like what someone says who's who's like not long for this earth. You know. Interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. But I again, pick up a, pick a better bed. There's right, right, be, right. I mean, I'm not saying where they were. There was a bunch of you know, five-star hotels, but you know, there's gotta be a best Western nearby. And this was one of those scenes too, where when they're talking in the room, again, you get a ton of character development. There's a lot of offensive language that we referred to earlier is like, yeah. you probably wouldn't say it today, but right. also again, clarifies that these guys are bad guys. They're not friendly. Uh, the, but uh, Jacob, the preacher Still a strong character, like, hey, no, you're not taking my kids, you're taking me. But then Seth being like, okay, I'll just kill him. And you can see that neither is backing down. Like, they're still all hard-headed, and they're still strong characters. And it makes you interested to see how is this going to work, because no one is a coward. No yeah. one is backing down. But they – and the only reason they do the things they do is because they all have to. You know? I, yeah. Yeah, and I love Jacob, how even this – crazy person is in his room with him and he's like uh you know talks about him being japanese he's like he's not japanese he's chinese and i feel like that's like such balls to like you know but he loves his family so much he's gonna like stick up for his son uh even though these guys are maniacs in there and i, I thought that was cool yeah. well one of them's a maniac the other one's just a bad guy <laughs> <laughs> well well yeah by the way is did we see i think this happened uh during this part is where you show like the news story it's like on tv where they're like talking about the the um the guy at the liquor yeah. store getting killed i don't know why it just makes me laugh so hard they show the picture of the liquor store guy that died and it's a picture of him holding like a fish that he caught oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. i just thought that was great i'm like i love that that's the picture chosen because that's how it, those things are all the it, well now it's social media not as much because people just pull from social yeah. media but yeah it's always like do you have a picture of him i don't know this is the only one i have is this <laughs> picture of him uh, but to talk about him and like the cop in that video i believe was the dad from nightmare on elm street um, oh really I don't uh, know. he's been in a lot of stuff i think but this movie and i maybe this is just oh yeah the, it was yeah i know uh, you're talking about john saxon yeah i i this movie feels like it was filled with and i think this might just be because of the the personalities of quentin tarantino robert rodriguez so many people that are that guy in that thing kind yeah. of people where you're like or even if you don't 
Like I don't, I didn't recognize the cop right away. But I was like, I know that cop, the yeah. original mm-hmm. cop from the from the opening scene. Like I know him from somewhere. Yeah, and I feel like it's because they picked up all these characters, and especially once we get into the titty twister, where there's a, a number of people that that were in a bunch of these like cult classic movies and things yeah. like that. Uh, it made it made everyone in this movie so much more familiar. It felt mm-hmm. like watching this. Um, Might be a guy that plays a few characters. Right, there's definitely <laughs> is, and we're almost to that spot. Uh, so they're on the road to Mexico, and Richie puts in his retainer, and the family <laughs> uh, and the thieves bond. Seth asks about the preacher's wife, and eventually they make the deal that if they don't act up, they'll be let go in the morning. Richie oogles Kate and tries to confirm his hallucination from earlier. Oh gosh! They get to the border, and the geckos hide in the bathroom and argue while Cheech searches the RV. After Cheech gets a look at Kate on the toilet, the family makes it into Mexico and they find themselves at the titty twister. Uh, Again, I'm probably going to mention this kind of stuff a lot. And Tim, I'll go to you. Things like the retainer are just such character things that seem like little throwaways, but it makes me feel like I know so much more about who Richie is when he does these little things. Yeah. Once again, like your mind just goes with whatever. Maybe you had a friend who... (laughs) (laughs) hopefully not like Richie, but uh, who like had a retainer or whatever. Yeah. It makes you, it's awesome. It's just a little, a little added feature that makes it, it says so much like, yeah, like, like you just said. And it's also, I think it really helps establish that relationship between Seth and Richie because Seth's like telling him like, Hey, put in your retainer almost like, yes, because he clearly has to look out for Richie all the time. Right. Uh, like, hey, yeah. put in your retainer. We're going to get you new glasses. It's okay. Like, uh, yeah, he's had to, to take care of him. It's and- just so crazy that um, Tarantino wrote this movie and then was like, you know what? I see myself as Richie. <laughs> Literally the guy that's like, I'll do that for you. What you said back there. Like, he's like, I, I like that guy. I'm going to take that character on. Well, I mean, as long as he could suck on Selma's feet. Oh, yeah, I know. There's a lot of strong point. We, uh, you know, I wonder if he actually wrote all this and then he's like, I'm going to have a part in this movie. And then he was looking at all the characters and he's like, well, clearly George has to be Seth Gecko, and yeah. clearly Harvey. Ge- oh, man, there's only one role left. <laughs> I mean, I guess I do look the most like a Richie Gecko. <laughs> um, I want to uh, talk about the, the hallucination part. The, the hallucination happens earlier in the movie, but this is where mm. he kind of brings it back. And it's so cringy this scene and again scary do you think that this was their way of trying to make it feel like it's not richie's fault like he's got a mental problem he's not necessarily a bad guy do you think there's a reason for this or was this just kind of a tension building moment for the sake of building the tension i just think the show that he's got some issues like even the the music that they played during the parts where he was like imagining that happening was like this kind of dark weird music so i think just the show like I think we already know, but to show like how dangerous this guy is, which is crazy, like you said, that we're rooting for his brother in a way, because you're like, Seth is insane, but you're like, well, he's not as insane. And this is really where they kind of, as they get through to Mexico, where Seth really almost becomes uh, a good guy because he's like happy with the family. Uh, He knocks out Richie at one point to like protect Kate. And he's actually his coolness is actually starting to be more of a hero, like a jaded hero, I guess, but really more of a hero at this point. Um, and uh, Andy, I want to I'm going to double back to you here. 
Uh, talk to me uh, as they get to the titty twister. Cheech's sales pitch. <laughs> I, I mean, mean, I mean, he's got every option. If you're going to eat a hot dog, you know, you want to have relish. You want to have ketchup. You want to have mustard. You want to have every possibility. And if they don't have exactly what you're looking for, you're not going to buy one. So he's just letting people know that he's got everything. It is what for all the things that happen in this movie, I think that scene is probably one of the standout moments of the movie is him just rattling off all these different uh, options you have. (laughs) (laughs) Options. now, uh, Tim, I want to ask about again, just kind of which the option he'd like. Which option, <laughs> which option are you? Uh, <laughs> uh, the Gecko Brothers, though, they get there, and the first thing they do is they beat up Cheech. Yeah. You know, and they break his hand, punch him in the face, kick him in the ribs. I thought this was done in a way, and maybe I, you have different insight on it, but it kind of made me, it was like almost a way of putting over the fact that. All these bad dudes are here. All these tough guys are here, but still the Gecko brothers are the baddest of the bad and no one messes with them. Yeah. I, that's, that's, uh, I agree with that. I, my initial thing was just like, man, these guys are stupid. Like <laughs> yeah. they, just, they can't get out of their own way. You know, it's like they're, they're there. All they have to do is uh, hang out for a couple hours and they can't, they can't even do it for five minutes. Yeah, it was kind of like it's kind of like one of those things that's like it's like frustrating to watch because you're like, man, even though like you shouldn't be rooting for them, you're like, I I, I don't know. Like, why would yeah. you why would you hit that? I thought the same thing too, though. It's like Cheech was just minding his own business. He's just like selling the place. And it's not like he started he I don't think he says like anything. Well, to he did say there was new apple pie. Okay. Right, 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 right. Uh but... so he 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 instigated a little bit. <laughs> but at the same time but i said at the same time you guys you guys are right like the the normal thinking person i i'm thinking the same thing you're thinking tim like dude just hang out you're there just hang out and they kind of talk about it a little in in the next scene we'll talk about but it did feel a little bit like yeah just you're there just hang out be cool but again he's he was like Clooney's character is like the one who's under control who's like getting mad he's like just do this blah 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 and then it's interesting that it's not, it's not Tarantino who who screws that situation up. Yeah, cool. right. It, well, it kind of reestablishes Seth as being like he's also just a reminder. I'm he's not a nice guy either. He's still, right. Um, and yeah. and spe- don't go spe- falling in love with him too fast. Yeah, well, too late. But <laughs> speaking of being nice, Andy, I've got a question for you. Yeah, Titty Twister. Before we yeah. get into everything that happens inside, you can tell this is a rough spot. Oh yeah, some some tough hombres hang out here. So my question to you is, if John Dalton from Roadhouse <laughs> came know. in to clean this place up, who would win, Roadhouse or the Titty Twister? Would John Dalton be able to clean up the Titty Twister, or would I they got, break him? I got the answer for you. As long as Dalton was able to get Sam Elliott's character, they would just clean up that place pretty. But yeah, it definitely had like a double deuce kind of vibe. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what's crazy? I mentioned this in our in our Roadhouse episode. The the band at the Titty Twister is the band that Dalton works at in the first bar. So there is some Roadhouse connection there. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. The very begin not the blind guy, but there's yeah. a band in where Dalton first gets recruited. I wonder if that's another one of those things where they pulled someone from a movie for that very reason. I wonder Could if there's be, like intention yeah. to that. It definitely had a double deuce uh, vibe to it for sure. I was totally <laughs> thinking that. I'm like, where's Dalton? 
adult. Uh, that's it. That's Marvel. You're done. Get out of here. We need to see a real crossover, and that is Dalton at the Titty Twister. (laughs) (laughs) Be nice. Let's get into it. Inside the Titty Twister, it's an awesome bar, and there's a showdown between a big fella and a young Danny Trejo against our heroes because the bar is only for bikers and truck drivers. The preacher explains he has a license to drive an RV, and that's the same thing as being a truck driver. So... The badasses running the place say, Hakuna Matata, and then explain that means no worries. Well, not really, but it's implied pretty heavily that they say that. Uh, we go around the bar, and we see the characters hanging out there, including an awesome band. We see Sex Machine with a wiener gun and a whip, and we see the cigar-smoking Frost playing dominoes. Also, women are dancing. The gang drinks, and the preacher lets Seth Gecko know he won, before Santanico pandemonium and good God, Andy, walk us through this. <laughs> I mean, for one, I just said our few episodes ago that Lloyd Christmas is the best name ever in a movie, but what is her name? Santanico, Santanico pandemonium? pandemonium. I mean, tell me a name that's better than that. So, you know, the only thing that I would have done with this is I think Danny Trejo introduced her. She should have had cheats from outside. Like he was more of a, he was a little bit more interesting, I feel, but she got a good intro, I think. Um, yeah, and it paid off. It was, it was a good, good performance. I, I, like I said, I watched this movie with my buddy, and the whole movie, we were like, oh, this is awesome. This is awesome. This is awesome. And then San, Santanico Pandemonium <laughs> comes out. We were mouths agape. We're just like, like we're laughing, having a good time. And then she comes out, and we're just like, it is great though how like the bar is insane and then like she comes out and then like everyone's like on their best behavior. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like I, just keep her out the whole time. Was that that was was that her first big moment in a movie? Was that like her debut? She's in Desperado as Antonio Banderas's love interest, I think a year before this, but yeah, very early Salmon Hayek. Maybe I was wrong. Yeah, uh, right around the same time, yeah. Uh but in any case, this was a, I mean, yeah. I, <laughs> speaking about giving flowers, I'm giving Selma Hayek her flowers. Well, I mean, you've got Selma Hayek in the same room as young Clooney. I mean, Jesus. I mean, I mean, how whew. hot was that room? <laughs> and Scott, uh, the son. Uh, <laughs> and I looked yeah. it up, Desperate Scott. The son. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Scott. He tried his best. Uh, yeah. You're right. Desperado came out the year before. So, um we already knew she was hot when she came out. But uh, in any case, this was a very, very, I mean, she stole that whole scene in, in such an incredible way. But Tim, I want to talk to you about another uh, very eye-fetching person, uh, Danny Trejo. Uh, yeah. She was young. Was it just me or like, because I'm so used to how he looks now, it almost looked like they superimposed <laughs> his face on a young body. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was questioning if it was him. <laughs> like, first little bit it totally looked like a movie where they were like doing a flashback into his life and they just because <laughs> his face looks exactly the same but his body looks so yes. young in that movie yes. <laughs> uh, it, must, it must have been like right when he like got out of prison yeah because this was his first movie right or it was, like, okay yeah well i think, I think desperate so. he's in desperado as well and he's and you forget about desperado okay <laughs> <laughs> they were right around the same time. Like, I feel like they could have been like almost in the same, probably in the same area. I'd like to think they live in the same universe. Speaking yeah. of Marvel, 
let's let's get these together. Let's have John Dalton and Desperado take on the Titty Twister. <laughs> and and I want to see if I'm if I'm a fuddy duddy here. As great as Salma Hayek looked, and that part was, I was Careful. so gross, so grossed out by the, by the foot in the mouth. I don't know. I don't care who yeah. you are. I don't want anybody's feet in my mouth. No, that was odd. Jack's like, well, uh, hard disagree. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We do not park our cars in the same garage. I was just like, man, she's been walking on the stage, and I don't, I don't know where, where's her no, feet been. I mean, I get the premise, but if we're talking about Selma Hayek, that's okay. a different, that's a different story. Okay. Uh, was, that, was, was that a real snake? I think so. I don't care. <laughs> Jack's like, there was a snake. <laughs> The uh, but let's talk about some of the other characters, Tim. I want to go around the bar here. And what I like about this again, this is where you get some of those characters that I think have been in a ton of cult classics and stuff. Uh, Sex Machine, <laughs> and we talk about greatest names in movies. I mean, yeah. but just hit the nail on the head, why don't you? And then Frost, also, as well, like these are characters that immediately, as soon as you see them, again, you kind of get who they are and you want to see them have some be a part of this you want to see how they're going to interact with everybody uh tell us a little bit about the characters that you see inhabiting the bar during this yeah i mean you yeah you you immediately know who you're going to root for and who you're not going to root for and uh yeah it's like it's sad once they become the undead yeah like, man that guy was that was I one was, of my favorites i was thinking with and I love how he says his name sex, sex machine and no one questions him. They're just like, Oh, okay. That's your name. Right. But I was thinking like, I don't know a lot about guns, but isn't there like a, um, when you shoot a gun kickback, like, right. Isn't there some kickback? Wouldn't it <laughs> be great? Like... He whips it out and then he shoots. He goes, it's like, bang, bang. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's what I was thinking. Like, I've he never have, used like... this before. <laughs> and how does it pop up? Like, does he have a little button? I kind of know. A lot of questions. <laughs> it's I, cool. He's great with a whip, too. I yeah. Wish, I wish I was there when he ordered the gun. Like, hi, <laughs> I, I, I'd like to order a gun. Okay, cool. Well, like a pistol or, well, <laughs> this is Crash what I need gun. for. <laughs> Maybe he literally is a sex machine. Like, he doesn't even have, like, a real. <laughs> that, is, that is the wiener. Is the That's it. Gun. He's, a, he's just a robot. Yeah. He's just a sex machine. robot. <laughs> <laughs> Like, why do they call you sex machine? I'm a robot. <laughs> a sex robot. <laughs> and this is where things uh, take a turn. Yeah. Uh, Cheech comes back and stabs Richie right in the hole in his hand. And Seth <laughs> finally gets to shoot the big guy. Richie stabs Trejo and they both shoot Cheech when it happens. Mm. Selma's head changes into an ugly vampire's head, but she's still easily an eight. Selma bites Richie <laughs> and the vampires are everywhere. It's a melee and everyone is fighting for their lives. Kate kills Cheech for real and the badasses start to show out in the battle between the not so good and evil. The not so goods win, but at the cost of losing Richie, who grows a massive head before getting <laughs> stayed outside, they hear bats. Uh, um. Tim, explain to me what happens to Richie's head after he's bit. <laughs> he came out, dude. <laughs> I, I I don't know. Yeah, they all kind of turn like differently. Like I feel like there's no rules to it, really. No, because like, Salma's face looks way different than like Richie's face. 
or some of this isn't even like hers anymore and then everyone else is just like an inflated yeah. like version of yeah. I, I love when salma first turns though uh that she jumps on richie and all richie says is effing bitch <laughs> like, like no one's like it's it's what is that a vampire is she a creature like they're just like they just go along with it and he's just like ah it was in their nice. defense again watching this not knowing what was happening yeah when when she turned and her head turned into a lizard or vampire <laughs> or whatever my buddy and i were watching this i would say realistically 10 to 15 seconds passed before we're like wait what <laughs> like, <laughs> like it took a second for us to register like wait what's what is this uh, and it's funny because now this I'm watching through, I can see that they have the knife with the green blood on it. That totally went over my head. I was mm. just like, duh, duh, duh. and then she changes. It. It's like, it is crazy huh? how quickly yeah. it turns. Though <laughs> it, it, it it turns like so fast. Like everybody's watching this dance, and then you're like, okay, here's a fight. Here comes the fight scene. Like I don't think anyone was expecting suddenly to be vampires and. Um, Cheech has the best line there. He's like, you know what they say about me? I suck. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the way he says it is great, too. Yeah. Just so over the top. This is where, first off, I just got to say, I might have taken the slavery to Selma. <laughs> I think, yeah. eh, you know, I will call you worse. Sp- I would call you Spot. You know, uh, but this, what I loved about this scene, too, is as they're fighting, this is where the characters, again, really start to show out. Uh, and Tim, this is where like we see Sex Machine use the whip, right? Mm-hmm. And we see uh, Frost. One of my favorite ways I've ever seen people fight vampires, just throwing the vampires <laughs> on the feet, the legs of the table uh, and ripping out the big dude's heart. This was, it's crazy with how many vampire movies there have been. This was one of the most original fight scenes of a vampire I've ever seen. I agree, yeah. And, and it uh, it's nice that they explain it afterwards where it's like oh like because you start thinking like how can you stab somebody with like a blunt wooden like object like oh because they're you know they have soft flesh and blah blah so they explain it it kind of captivates you in the beginning and then you're like wait what how has that worked oh yeah it's because of this so i agree and and it just keeps going and there's and the way he is with the whip i love sex machine jumping from like billiard table to billiard table like whipping stabbing like i like how like they they just jumped right in and they're just like we gotta we gotta attack these things oh yeah and, and the, uh, the oh, yeah, was my favorite part like he first Ooh. off again frost just comes off like the ultimate badass in this <laughs> yeah movie. Just, the way he rips out the guy's heart it's still beating yeah, the what's he call me says hey monkey man <laughs> yes <laughs> uh Again, I didn't these... know his name was Frost. Did you look that? I don't think they ever mentioned his name. I looked it up. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I had, I had to look it up because yeah, I don't I don't know if they ever say it, but um, so. again, he's great he's, though. I was hoping he'd have a cool name like Sex Machine when I looked it up. Frost is still kind of a cool name, but yeah, uh, I think they actually do say it at one point. I think Sex Machine says Frost at like one point. Yeah, uh, yeah, but... his, his story about the nom. <laughs> Well, yeah, as, we talk, as, we, as we talk about Nam, I, I should say, because um, that does sort of lead us into uh, this next little bit where they start boarding up the doors and uh, the bitten truckers start turning into vampires. So the gang starts clearing them out. Sex Machine gets bit and does the heroic thing and hides it. <laughs> they, <laughs> they start game planning how to fight the vampires and we get some character development as Jacob confirms he's a... Mm, 
mm, servant of God. And Frost <laughs> talks about how he hid under a pile of bodies in Nam while Sex Machine starts to turn. He bites Frost. He bites Jacob. And then Frost throws Sex Machine through the door, letting in all the vampires. Seth and the kids run and are able to hide in the storage room. But Jacob has to use a cross shotgun to get there and hide with them. Tim, this is, again, a little bit of character development. As we're talking about their game planning with these vampires, I thought it was fun how they were saying these are things that work on vampires. But then also, wait, do we actually know what works on vampires or are we just reciting movies? Yeah, absolutely. There's There's just so much humor thrown in there. And, and I found this part to be interesting with uh, Seth to, he, he's the one who actually uh, makes the preacher like get his faith back, which ends up saving all of them. And so you have like the most evil guy who then actually ends up convincing yeah. uh, the preacher to, to believe in God. And, and uh, I thought that was like a really interesting way to do it. Yeah. yeah pretty, it was a pretty little... genius way to attack the vampires too. But right. The, the cross shotgun, I think, is the, one of the coolest parts of the movie as far as just the way they fight these vampires. Um, but this is also, again, what, what I love about how they, they built up Sex Machine as this cool guy. They built up Frost as this cool guy. But then once they turn, like Frost is the scariest looking vampire in the movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, right, right. And with his arms wide and all the bats flying in, it yeah. was intense. Uh, and, and after they're in the storage room, uh, the gang starts digging through the stuff stolen from the trucks to make some weapons like crossbows, holy condom grenades, and a phallic jackhammer. They start, <laughs> they head back into the bar to kill all the vampires. In the process, Sex Machine turns into a giant rat and gets yeah. lit on fire and exploded, while Frost gets a shotgun shoved in him and melts. The vampires surround the preacher but stop as he becomes one of them. Mm. The preacher bites his son before getting condom bombed. But Scott still gets eaten to pieces. Kate lets him get chewed on for a minute before killing him and ending his misery. <laughs> That's when the sun starts coming through the holes in the wall. When all seems lost, Cheech arrives to pick up Seth, like in the deal. And all the vampires explode. Seth negotiates a better rate for El Rey and gives Kate some money and leaves her at the titty twister. As Dark Knight plays, we see behind the bar that it's actually the backside of an ancient temple with cars piled from many years of eating truckers. Um, This, uh, Andy, I want to go to you. I loved how Sex Machine turned to a rat and was like a a boss character to a degree. (laughs) I felt a little bit like Frost was a punk considering how cool he was as a human. Yeah, I agree. I was thinking that they really sex machine, really, they they gave him some great screen time because his even his turn. We didn't talk about it too much, but his turn when he's like hiding his like fang. Like, yeah, I remember I was feeling like that at like uh, when COVID was around, like if I was in like a place and like I would sneeze. I'm like, no, no, I'm not turning. Uh, And then you get COVID hand. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, but when he starts turning, it's just so funny because I feel like that's such a thing that people would would do. If you're like, oh, no, oh, no. Well, maybe <laughs> maybe no one will no- notice that. Maybe, maybe. Hey, hey, guys. Um, but yeah, they give him such a great death. And I love uh, Seth when he like whips him and then he tightens the whip and then he just yeah. pops his head off. So there's a lot of heads getting popped off in this. Um, but I was not expecting his head to regrow as some disgusting 
rat dog thing? Because then I was thinking there's a lot of heads everywhere. Wouldn't there be more creatures? But I guess sex machine is a machine, so he turns into other machine things. Everything in this movie, as far as the vampires go, I, I think, as we kind of said earlier, they're all different. There's no standard vampire situation because even some vampires, they look like monsters versus some still look like humans. Uh, even Frost, when he turned into a vampire, had the weird mouth versus yeah. the way Sex Machine looked. But uh, what was fun, and a little callback, is Sex Machine earlier when he was talking about how soft all the vampires were. He mm -hmm. was like, you could almost punch their head clean off. Yeah. And that's what happens to him is his head gets taken clean uh -huh. off. Uh, but Frost, like I said, I thought he was going to be awesome but then the the preacher just shoves a shotgun through the center of him and before he does anything he melts and he's like oh yeah. it felt like he chickened out yeah i didn't realize i didn't understand how he died he just kind of just like did like, never mind <laughs> he was like the band he's like i'm out <laughs> yeah and you know what? i was thinking when they run to that storage room couldn't they have just stayed in there and just like hung out until the daytime like like what? they had I enough think... water maybe they said that the uh, the vampires were going to come in eventually, but I don't know if that's true because they had a lot of time to prep their weapons. Yeah, and, and and I don't understand, Tim. And this is going back to not all of them are the same. How come Sex Machine changed and Frost changed in like five minutes, but the preacher was like, "I got maybe a couple hours." <laughs> I was like, "Wait, why are you get a couple hours? You were bit the same way everyone else was." I know. Yeah, that. Uh... That didn't make a whole lot of logical sense, but <laughs> but if you're I looking for logical sense in this movie, right? I also don't know why uh, Clooney chose the weapon he did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it looked awesome, but when it you did. think about it logistically, it'd be it was the worst weapon. It's heavy, yeah. like. You know what yes. I didn't get? Why, why didn't you just bless the water tap and then get, yeah. uh, like get a hose and just spray? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the water was the best option. I, I do like how Juliet Lewis suddenly was like a master at the crossbow. She just right. like, found it and was just like perfect aim. <laughs> yeah, she she definitely uh, assimilated to killing vampires very quickly. Uh, so as I guess the one thing I was missing in this scene in, in this battle, and I guess Sex Machine was the one, is I do feel like I wish they had that final boss they had to kill before breaking free, where it kind of felt like they were just fighting and go, eh, we're out of ammo, and that was the end. I mean, obviously they get get away, but it didn't feel like they overcame the big final boss, if that makes it, sense. It was great, though, when uh, yeah. Sex, Sex Machine gets thrown through the, the wall that all of them come in and then like you said when frost turns and then to see like you're like oh this is bats but then when jacob pops up from the bar and you just see like thousands of most disgusting vampires i've ever seen that's so terrifying so to me it was like yeah you didn't get the big boss but you got to see all the reinforcement vampires which i thought was crazy Tim, were you okay with this? Is uh, something that happens in every action scene in every action movie with a lot of people in it. You just kind of come to accept it. But were you okay with the fact that it felt like sometimes the heroes were dilly dallying while they were surrounded and they weren't being just mobbed in the fight? If that makes sense, you know, like there's thousands of them in there, yet they would they would have like two of them fighting one vampire for extended periods of time. Right, right, right. And it happens in every action movie, but I always say there's that, can you make it feel like it's okay? Do you feel like this movie did a good job making it feel okay? Or did you feel a little bit like, what are all the other vampires doing? What, are they just watching? 
Yeah, I guess it. I guess I didn't really think about it, so I guess it didn't bother me. But I see what you're saying, and I think I think what was interesting for me, what I guess what bothered, if if anything bothered me, is that I agree with not having like a major boss. It seemed like they killed all the important vampires like pretty early on, yeah. And then all these random like new vampires came, and then it's like you had no reason to even pay attention to them. I don't know. It was, it was strange how like all of the, the original vampires that were introduced were killed and before like the big battle. Yeah. 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 And you know what I was just thinking? Like I was thinking like who would be the big boss? I think it'd be Salma Hayek. Yeah. And like she died with a chandelier falling on her. I felt like she didn't get really like a great death either. Well, you know, chandelier falling on your head is (laughs) pretty, pretty big, but But, but would that kill the boss? I don't know. Well, I, the guy I thought that was going to be the boss died because he didn't want to fight the preacher anymore. <laughs> so I thought Frost was going to be the guy. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. His ending was weird. Uh, so but, wait, can I just say my yeah. my favorite line of this whole movie is when Cheech number three comes comes at the end and he goes, what were they psychos? <laughs> and, and George Clooney says, yeah. yeah psychos don't explode when they see the sun i don't care how crazy they are (laughs) were they psychos (laughs) uh yeah cheech being in this movie three times was uh i forgot that he was in it three times like i remember all these characters but like every time i saw i was like oh yeah that's right it's cheech (laughs) (laughs) um this is where at the end we again we get to see the cool tattoo and i love that they actually finally show us the full yeah. tattoo show us the uh, goods and uh they end of course with um uh, poor kate she's good luck you're in mexico your family's dead i <laughs> hope hope things work out for you uh i was <laughs> thinking if i was back in 96 i wouldn't know what to do to get home like you don't have a cell phone or like you don't know where, no gps you don't know where you are no like, uh so good luck for her and good luck using a big stack of cash in a bad neighborhood and not getting robbed, but okay. And I noticed, I don't know if you noticed this, but he gives her the cash. And then on the next shot, she's not holding the cash. So I was like, I don't know. I don't know if she like threw it down or flew out in the wind or something, but I'm like, man, if she doesn't have that cash, man, I don't know. I really was hoping that Clooney would be like, yeah, let's go. And then we get dust on too. And it's Clooney and Juliette Lewis, you know? I was saying, not to mention, does she have a home? Like, weren't they like moving? Like, isn't the RV her home? Yeah, it is now. Uh, it did feel like they were prepping this for a sequel because with the temple in the back, which, by the way, I loved because it made it feel so much like bigger that was cool. of, of a yeah, that was super cool. Yeah, uh, and it, you definitely have that like, oh, crazy. Uh, so it did feel like they were actually building this for a, a sequel. Like you could have Juliet Lewis come back or something else happen or more happen there. Uh, but seeing all the cars there in the back and they've been doing this for years, clearly I thought, you know, their game plan was very poor. If, uh, they've been doing this for a long time, you'd think the vampires would have had a better way of getting these people than something that clearly is going to get them killed every single because, I mean, you got to be losing vampires. every. It's that tough of a bar, right? I mean, people come in there. you got to be losing vampires every time you're in there. They, they don't have a better idea than that. Well, I think right. you're, you're gaining a lot, too, though. Right? Yeah, but if you're a vampire, I wouldn't go in there. But, no, people get killed when they go in there. <laughs> Can't we just get, like, big nets that drop on them, and then we'll get them? That's true. Trap doors. 
Yeah, like I don't know, put something in the drinks so they pass out or something. Where do you think all the other vampires came from? All the other the the bats, where were they hanging out? Just I, I think in anywhere? the temple. They had to be in the temple, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it's also like weird that a place that like depends on human blood would then say no, only bikers and truck drivers. Yeah, that's a good point too. Why wouldn't you welcome everybody? Yeah, you just invite everybody in. You just go, okay, whatever. <laughs> Maybe Danny Trejo was new to being a, a vampire and didn't really get it, and that's why he got killed by Sex Machine. Yeah. Well, do you think the Titty Twister was a real place, and then it just got some vampires started messing around there? Oh, no, there was a, well, there was a giant thing though. So yeah. Yeah. Know. So the Titty Twister was built over the top of the temple to uh, to <laughs> unbeknownst make- to the guy that opened it. He's like, <laughs> I got this hilarious name for this bar. Right. One thing that I noticed after we were done building. As he's moving in, he's like, I hope this place isn't haunted like the last place. <laughs> Someone got murdered in the last bar I owned. As we wrap up, this was one of my favorite movies uh, growing up as a kid. It was a treat to go back and watch. Like I said, I don't know if it, I would call it a Shawshank Redemption type <laughs> movie, but I think it was a really fun, I think it's a fun, great popcorn flick for anyone to watch. Uh, Tim, you get the last word. So Andy... Uh, what were your final thoughts on From Dusk Till Dawn? Yeah, such a fun movie. I, I love it. I, there is a part of me that w- was curious what would happen if the vampires didn't come, like just to see the rest of Richie and Seth's, uh, uh, you know, Trip adventure. LA. Yeah, uh, but I think it's great. I think it's such a fun movie. It's so unique, so different. We got young Clooney. So I, I enjoyed it. Um, the crazy thing is I really liked it even back then. And I never watched there are a couple. I think there's Dust Till Dawn 2 and 3. Yeah. I think 2 is with Robert Patrick from T2, um, which I never have watched. And there was a show, yeah. which I never have watched as well. Yeah. So I don't know. I think I just after the first one, I'm like, I don't know. I think it's well, okay. It, on I, I think because it was one of those. I think the sequels were definitely like lower budget. Yeah. And they were like straight to DVD I think, or VHS at the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But maybe I'll check them out one day just to see. Uh, but Tim, yeah. What were your final thoughts on this movie? And also just to add to, to the George Clooney thing, this was his big break in the, in movies. How risky of a pick this movie would have been to be in the movie. Cause on, on a script as a script, this doesn't probably jump out at you as the thing that's going to make you a big movie star, but it worked out for him. Uh, thoughts on that and just overall the movie yeah i mean it's gotta be that's when tarantino had so much gathering heat on him right because that was after reservoir dogs and pulp fiction so i'm sure as a mostly tv actor you're just saying yes no matter what um and just trusting that the the script's gonna play out so yeah i mean it, it was it's so fun to watch uh i love the movie it it, it drags a little at the end but it's one of those movies where it's almost better that way. You almost like that it's got flaws that you can easily point out. And that almost makes it like in a way flawless. Like if it was more, if we could answer all these questions we've had on the podcast, it's like, Oh, maybe that wouldn't be as good as, as if like, Oh, that, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. But because so many things don't make sense, it makes perfect sense. So yeah, yeah. It, it's just a fun, a really fun watch. I like that too, because and you're right because the things that are still like the inconsistency with the vampires, the way the movie's done, you're just kind of like, eh, but whatever. Yeah, that's how <laughs> it is. So it, it makes it better. You're right. Yeah, you're so long for the ride. And once you decide, okay, I'm along for this. It's just it's super fun. Yeah. 
So uh, as we close out the show, I always like to play a game. It's the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. It's where we see if Andy Rossi is able to take a character from this movie and connect them to Kevin Bacon in six moves or less. Andy, can you do it? Yeah, Jack, I actually want your participation on this. This one was this one's great. It's going to lead you to the same results. So do you want me to do Clooney, Keitel or Juliette Lewis? You pick. Let's do Juliette Lewis. No problem. Uh, Juliet Lewis was in Cape Fear with Robert De Niro, and who was in Sleepers with Kevin Bacon. Nice. Were they? <laughs> they're all through Sleepers. Yes. Do you want to hear them all? Sure. George Clooney was in um, I, Ocean's Eleven with yep. Brad Pitt, and yep. which goes to Sleepers. And then Harvey Keitel was in. I mean, you pick a movie with De Niro. I did The Irishman. Is he in all of the Robert De Niro movies? He's in a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, Harvey Guy tells those guys I know is great and in a lot of movies, but I have trouble recalling which ones he's in. in yeah, I, I just watched that. Taxi Driver and I forgot he was in that. Oh yeah, there you go. Oh yeah, yeah. See, there we go. So, um, so that does it, Andy. You 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 tripled the numbers there. <laughs> uh, going forward, we have a couple more movies. This was '96, so next week we're going to be covering 1997's. Men in Black with our first repeat guest of the year. It's going to be Flobo Voice, his favorite movie, so I'm excited to have him on for that one. In nice. ni- then we go to 1998 for Can't Hardly Wait, the teen movie. Then we're going to have Eric Peterson on as a guest. And then we go to 1999 for Deep Blue Sea. That's going to be a fun one as well. That's one that uh, has been a – it was a uh, – uh, special request from my family that we, 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 we <laughs> really? so I've not I've not actually seen it yet but but uh, my sister and her husband says nice. we have to do it so that'll be two extra boots <laughs> for that episode uh, that does it for us uh, I'm Jack Farmer you can find me at Real Jack Farmer across all social media uh, Andy where can the world find you you can find me at just Andy Rossi and Tim, thanks so much for being on the show. We definitely appreciate it. Uh, where can the world find you and follow all the stuff you're working on? Yeah, you can follow me uh, at Real Tim Cannon on Instagram and TikTok. Um, yeah, those are the only two social media platforms I have. So, yeah. I had a blast. Thanks for thanks for having me on. That was a lot of fun. Absolutely, it's fun having you on. I definitely appreciate. It. Thanks for reliving this uh, movie from my childhood with us. Uh, that does it for us, though, folks. And until next time, we'll see you next year.